Thank you, Miss Crystal. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter number 9. Matthew chapter number 9. Matthew chapter number 9. And we want to begin reading in verse number 35. Matthew 9 and verse number 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted, and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. God will bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Let's unite our hearts together in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning as needy people. God, we recognize, Lord, apart from Thee, where would we be today? Were it not for Thy grace, were it not for You reaching down Thy long, sovereign arm of redeeming grace and snatching us from the muck and the mire of sin and planting our feet upon the solid rock, God, where would we be today? God, we certainly would not be in a place like this with the Bible in our hand, open upon our laps, ears attentive to Thy Word, God, we could have been long lost, long lost in, in a devil's hell today, but we thank Thee, O God, for Thy grace, for Your mercy, that God, that while we were ungodly, while we were unlovable, You loved us and gave Your Son for us, and that God, He died and paid our sin debt in full upon Calvary's tree to redeem us to Thyself. God, we thank You, Lord, for this day. We thank You for this week. God, even as we will gather with our families and friends and loved ones and be with others, and God, even as we consider this Thanksgiving season, God, we are thankful most of all for the gift of salvation. We are thankful for the ones you have placed in our life. And God, we thank you that we are never alone because you have given the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, to be with us. That even if someone would find themselves all alone, on Thanksgiving Day, God, as a child of God, they are never alone. Thank you, God, that we can never be in a God-forsaken place. Because whether shall we flee from thy presence, God, if we were to ascend, uh, to uh, descend into hell, or even to go to the uttermost part of the sea, there you are, O God. We cannot escape thy divine presence. Thank you, God, that you are with us. We've just read in Matthew chapter number 28, just a few moments ago, where our Savior said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Thank you, Lord, that He is with us wheresoever we go. And so, God, we pray that we would know the comfort of the Son and of the Spirit today. God, we also pray for our community here in Lexington. How we pray, O God, for a stirring and a moving of the Holy Spirit. How we pray, O God, that Thou wouldst be pleased to bless Thy Word even today as it goes forth here in this church. 
And as it would also go forth on sermon audio and through other means, that, O God, that Thou wouldst be pleased to bless the preaching of the Word of God. God, we know that Your Word has the potential to transform hearts, lives, and minds. And so, God, we'd be, uh, we, we would be very happy and glad today, God, if You would work in a marvelous way. Oh, we pray that You would rend the heavens and come down and move in our midst. You have promised that where two or three are gathered together in Your name. There You are in the midst of them. God, You are even here in our midst today, walking up and down in the church. And, oh, God, might we know something of Thy presence. And, God, might we even tremble knowing, oh, God, that You are in this place. That, God, You are in our midst. And might this cause us to worship You with reverence and godly fear, knowing, Lord, that You are here among us. God, we pray, O oh Lord, for our country. We pray for our land. God, as we see, God, the results of, of this past election. And, God, we're seeing what's happening God, many hearts have caused themselves to be troubled. But God, we thank you, O Lord, that you are still on the throne. That God, you hold the king's heart in your hand and you turn it with us however you will. And God, we pray for even the so-called president-elect at this time. That, O oh God, that you would even move upon his heart, turn his desires towards godly ones that would benefit thy church and benefit our country. That, God, that you would save us from the, uh, from the destruction of socialism and things of that nature that would destroy our country. And that, God, that you would bring a great unity amongst us. And we know that the only way that will come is by the preaching of the gospel and how we pray for the gospel to go forth in mighty power in these days. And so, God, be with us. Bless your word. I pray that my teaching and my preaching would not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that this church's faith would not stand in the wisdom of a man, but in the power of God. Now be with us, we pray, in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to draw your attention particularly to verse number 38 of the passage that we've read today. It says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. Here we encounter our Savior after a great healing crusade. In this chapter, He had healed a paralytic in verses 1 through 8. He had called a tax collector to Himself. He has raised the dead. He healed a woman with an issue of blood. He healed two blind men, and He had cast out a dumb spirit. The context of the passage that is before us today is all about Jesus healing in coming to the aid of the broken and those confounded in their souls. All around us today, we find broken people. We find hurting people. We find confused people. We find people like Jesus saw, like the multitudes moved with compassion because they are, they are fainted and they are scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And people even feel it even to a greater degree in this season in which we are in. And Thanksgiving, in Christmas time, when they are separated from the ones that they love, when they are going through Christmas or Thanksgiving for the first time, having lost someone that they dearly love, and they are broken, and they are hurting. And they are wondering if there is anyone or anything that can help them. 
with their depression, with their sorrow over death, with the physical ailments, and with the coronavirus thrown in on top of it, and people locked up in their homes, and people being put into terror by media and things of that nature. They are now in a point of depression, and even various states are imposing greater lockdowns with greater increases of domestic violence and things of that nature. And many in this time have turned to alcohol as a means to drown their sorrow. Others have turned to drugs to relieve their mental and physical pain. But what Christ says in this passage that men need is a laborer of the gospel. It is the gospel alone that heals. It is the gospel alone that mends and fixes the broken hearts of men. It is God that has said in his word in the Psalms that he taketh the broken in heart and he bindeth up their wounds. The problem before us today is that there are very few gospel preachers in the world. And the only way the broken can ever be restored is by one coming to them with the beautiful feet of the gospel. So I want to set before you the message today. The need for laborers in God's vineyard. The need for laborers in God's vineyard. And I want you to notice in verse number 38, two things in particular. You will notice the condition that calls for laborers and the petition that asks for laborers. Notice, first of all, the condition that calls for laborers. Notice, he says in verse 38, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Notice the word therefore. As you know, the word therefore is there that you might know why it's therefore. This points us back to a previous argument. We are here called to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his field. But we are called to pray to the Lord of the harvest based upon some things that we have been mentioned beforehand. We are to first of all pray to the Lord of the harvest and because there are broken people. This condition calls us to call for laborers, to pray for laborers because of broken people. Look with me in verse number 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. As we already mentioned, our Lord throughout this chapter has just completed a healing crusade. He is from place to place to place healing people, healing the brokenhearted, raising the dead, calling those who are dead in trespasses and sin, like Matthew to salvation, the tax collector. But now we find the multitude still thronging him. Multitudes in the need of the touch of the Savior. And this is not where we are today, is it? This is exactly where we are today. There are multitudes all around us that need a touch of the Savior. There are people maybe even here, or even listening. There are like the woman that Jesus healed in Matthew chapter number 9, the woman with the issue of blood, and she said, if I can just but touch the hem of his garment, I know that I shall be perfectly whole. And there may be someone here, you might not have a physical ailment, but you are spiritually and emotionally and physically worn out. And what you need to do is just like this woman did, said, if I can just but touch him, I know that I shall be made whole. 
And remember, in the other account, the woman in Mark, she waved and weaved her way through the crowd, through the press, to get to where Jesus is, and she touched him. And the Bible said that immediately virtue came out of him. And he said, who touched me? This woman received a healing touch from the Savior. And all around us there are multitudes that need the healing touch of the Savior. They are broken. They are battered. They are beaten. They are worn. And the multitudes are still all around us today. We not only see that there were multitudes, but we see that the multitudes had fainted. Notice he had compassion upon them. Oh, what we need today is compassion. The Bible says in the book of Jude, and some have compassion, making the difference. You know what's going to make the difference in this church? What's going to make the difference in our community? What's going to make a difference in the world today? It's Christians that demonstrate true Christian compassion. I'm not talking about a warm, fuzzy feeling. I'm not talking about uh, forgetting the gospel and building wells in different parts of the world. But what I'm talking about is compassion for the souls of men. To be broken for people undone in sin. And here Jesus sees the multitudes. The work is immense. The need is great. And here he is moved with compassion upon them. And notice as he is moved with compassion upon them, he is moved with compassion because they are fainting. And the margin reads, they were tired and lay down. And this is where many people find themselves today. They are exhausted. They are grown weary. They are tired out. This was likely due to not just the physical demands of following Jesus, because as you follow the life of Jesus, you find that Jesus is constantly on the move. He's going from one location to the other, and the multitudes are following Him. But this fainting is not just from the physical demands of following Jesus, but also they are weary from the burdens of life and the inability that they had to fix their own internal problems and struggles in their own life. And this is where the multitude of humanity is today. They're tired. They're worn out. They are exhausted. And guess what? They're looking for answers in all the wrong places. Humanity is exhausted by the demands placed upon them physically and the burdens that weigh them down emotionally. And as I said, they're looking for answers in all the wrong places. And so, being weighed down physically, emotionally, spiritually, they turn to alcohol to drown it out. They turn to psychology to try to get them to feel better. They try to turn to all these various things to try to get them to fill the void in their heart, in their life, and in their soul. And you can see this as you look at people in the stores, driving in their vehicles. People are just depressed. People are just sad. You just look at people as they drive down the road. It looks like they have no hope. They, they just look like they're full of despair. You look at people in the stores, it's hard to now because everyone wears a mask. But the ones that don't, do you remember going in the stores just seeing the hopelessness in people? The despair in their heart, they lack joy. They lack peace. They lack comfort. And any joy and peace and comfort they have is a mere facade of the internal struggle that is really going on in their heart and their soul. 
But these multitudes were exhausted from the physical and spiritual uh, emotional trials that they were going through. But these people were also lost. So these people that Jesus sees, the multitudes that are thronging Him, they are worn out, but they are also lost. They're scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. These broken people have nowhere to go to find rest. They are wandering about aimlessly as lost sheep. There is no one to guide them to the great shepherd of the sheep. And how many people are around us that are exhausted, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and they are utterly lost with no ability to find the great shepherd of the sheep, they are part of families where there is no believer in their family. They are living in areas where there is no gospel preaching witness. There is no one to point them to the need of Christ. All around us, Joel was right. There are multitudes in the valley of decision. And these people are walking around blind and deaf spiritually and need someone to come to them with the gospel and trust that God will remove the blinders and open up their eyes to see the truth and open up their ears to hear the truth. So we find, first of all, under the condition, we find that there is a condition that calls for laborers. There are broken people. But notice, secondly under that, I want you to notice not just broken people, but a bountiful harvest. Notice Jesus says in verse 37, after seeing the multitudes and seeing that they are fainted and they are lying down and worn out and they are sheep without a shepherd, He says in verse 37, Then saith He unto His disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous. There's a bountiful harvest. Here is another condition that calls for laborers, not just because there's broken people, then they need a preacher. But there is a bountiful harvest. These broken people are the bountiful harvest that the church needs to reap. There are many people that need to hear the gospel of Christ. Then the Bible says very clearly here that this harvest is plenteous. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. On our way back home, when we drive back to Duncan, we drive the back way uh, through uh, the National Forest. And once you get through the National Forest, you come to a little field of cotton. And I didn't, never got to see cotton a lot when I lived in northern Maine, but uh, I saw that cotton field and it reminded me of this verse, Lift up your eyes unto the fields, for they are white already to harvest. I look at all that cotton out there, all that white. And that's the picture that the Lord is setting before you and I today. The fields are ripe and ripe unto harvest. The field of the world is waiting for laborers to go unto them. The ears of corn are full grown, but who will go and pluck them off before they rot on the stalk? Precious days are passing us by, and the ears of corn are falling to the ground, and they are rotting. Precious souls are dying without Christ. The fields are ripe for harvest. The need for the gospel is found everywhere. The entire world is a mission field. And we have a responsibility to reach these broken people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guess what type of people God wants in this church? He wants broken people. 
He wants people that, are, that have broken marriages, broken lives, drug addicted people, people addicted to alcohol. He wants them in here to hear the gospel where they are converted and He wants to transform them from the inside out. Those are the people that God is looking for. He's looking for the broken ones that He can heal and mend and make great trophies of His grace. And guess what? They're all around us. And it's our responsibility to go to them and bring them the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we see the condition that calls for laborers. We see that there are broken people. We see there is a bountiful harvest. Guess what? These broken people are all over the place in Columbia, are they not? They're everywhere. They're right outside our door. They're right down our street. They're in this community of Lexington. There are broken people everywhere. And God says, there is the harvest. And He says, go into this harvest. The harvest is truly plenteous. They are everywhere. You don't have to have a hard time trying to find a broken person. But notice thirdly, the condition that calls for laborers. He says, but the laborers, in verse 37, but the laborers are few. The fact that there are broken and lost people everywhere, and the harvest is ripe and plenteous, show us the great need for laborers. The problem is that many do not want to do the labor. I remember as a young teenager when I first started high school, I remember having a job down towards the coast raking blueberries and blueberry fields. Now down here you guys have blueberry bushes and you can just stand up and pluck them. But in Maine we have the little blueberries and they grow in little tiny bushes. And there are little fields all over the place. And the only way you can get them is you've got to bend over and it looks like you've got a little uh, rake, a little uh, dustpan of some sorts with a bunch of little teeth coming out and you go through the plant and you rake them up and the blueberries go to the back and you dump them in the bucket. It is back breaking work and it is not fun. And I remember doing that for a couple days in the hot sun, and we had a hot summer that year, it was in the upper 90s, and pay was a little to nothing, they paid you hardly anything once you filled a five-gallon bucket of blueberries. All of us were employed for only a few days, a few of us, and we quit in a matter of a few days. Why? Because the work was too difficult and the reward was little. We quit. And this is how many see the work in God's vineyard. They see it as too difficult, and they, do, and they see little reward. They say, we have gone, and we have preached, and we have passed out gospel literature. We have done what we needed to do, and we have seen very little reward. And so the people quit. They see it as being too difficult, and as a result they quit. This means that there are few to labor in the field. The work is certainly difficult that God has called us to do. But He has promised that He would give us the Holy Spirit to indwell us, to enable us and empower us to do the work that He has called us to do. What God calls us to do, He will empower us to do. What God has called us to do, He will give us the ability to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. George Whitfield, that great evangelist that was part of the first great awakening here in the United States said this, I am often tired in the work, but I never tire of the work. And that is exactly where you and I should be as believers in Jesus Christ. Oh, we can get tired in the work of God, but we never grow tired of the work of God. 
We never grow tired of serving Him. Laboring in God's vineyard pays dividends that will last eternity. You say, well, I never saw anyone converted in all my years of preaching Christ. My friend, what God will reward you upon is based upon your faithfulness to Him. God has not called you to be the next great evangelist and hold gospel crusades necessarily and see multitudes of thousands of millions swept into the kingdom. And sometimes we have the idea, if I'm not like so-and-so, if I'm not like this person, you know, I won't receive any rewards because I'm not a great preacher, a great missionary like so-and-so. That does not matter. What matters is that you are faithful to what God has called you to do. And if God has called you to simply be faithful to this church and to live your days in this community and be a witness for Christ where God has placed you, you will receive reward based upon your faithfulness of where God has called you to be. The Bible speaks of rewards that will be given to the faithful saints of God. And guess what? These rewards we won't keep for ourselves. The book of the Revelation says that one day we will take all those rewards and we will cast them at the feet of the one who alone is worthy of them all. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We will cast them at His feet and we will worship Him for all of eternity. Your work in His vineyard may seem small to you. But faithfulness and service to Him is what matters the most. That's what matters the most. So we have seen three conditions that call for laborers in God's vineyard. But how are we to respond to the need that is evident before us? All around us there's broken people. There's a bountiful harvest and there's few laborers. So what, in, what can you and I do about it? How will God see to it that laborers get into His field? He tells us what we are to do. Look with me now at our second consideration, the petition to ask for laborers. Look with me in verse 38. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. So here in verse number 38... We find the Lord's only prayer request mentioned in the Gospels. That's significant. When you and I come to prayer meeting, we normally have burdens upon our heart that we want to share. And we ask people, can you please pray for such and such in my life? And here we have the only recorded prayer request of Christ in the Scriptures. And here He says that we are to pray for laborers. That is significant. This means great weight should be placed upon praying for this need to be met. That is truly significant. Think about it. Our Lord Jesus Christ has only asked you to pray for one thing in particular here, and it is to pray for laborers. And the word to pray here is actually an imperative in the original. This is not a suggestion for you and I to pray. This is a command for you and I to pray. In light of the need, we are commanded to pray for sinners to come to faith in Christ, and we are to pray that God would send laborers to preach the gospel in parts unknown. So notice the direction of our prayer. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. We are to pray to the one who controls the harvest. We pray to the Lord Himself. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest. 
The Lord alone is the sovereign over the harvest. And we must remember that it is the Lord's harvest and not our harvest. He will see to it that His elect come to faith in Christ. And then we see our request, the request of prayer. What are we to pray for? We are to pray that God would launch out laborers into the harvest field. Every believer is called to be in this field serving Christ in one way or the other. You and I are called to be a laborer for Jesus Christ. You and I are not bystanders. You and I don't have the option of just sitting and warming a pew and doing nothing for Christ. The reason we serve Christ is because of the grace that we have experienced. Think about it today. You know Christ as your Savior. You have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. You have been translated from darkness unto light. You are now seated in heavenly places with Him. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life from all of eternity. He has called you to Himself in time. He has given you the Holy Spirit. He has implanted within you a new heart and given you new desires and new motivations. He has given you a love for the Savior that you once spurned. And now you have the opportunity to go and share with people this glorious message that you have experienced. This should not be done out of a sense of duty per se, but we do it out of love for Christ. That is a primary motivation. If I simply just go and tell people for Christ, uh, about Christ just out of duty, I'm doing it for all the wrong reasons. But if I'm doing it because I love Him, because He has redeemed me, because He has saved me, and He has called me, and one day He will take me to heaven to be with Him, I am doing it for all the right reasons, a heart of love for Christ. We ought to pray specifically that the Lord would raise up mighty preachers of the gospel to go to places where Christ has not yet been named. Do you know that there are still places on planet earth where the gospel banner of Jesus Christ has not yet been erected? There are places in this world where there are people that have never once heard the name of Jesus Christ. There are places in this world where for generations they have never once heard the name of Jesus Christ. I believe if you go on to a certain website, I believe it's the Joshua Project, they estimate that there is some 4 billion people that have still not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are still thousands of unreached people groups in the world that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I dare say there are multitudes, even in South Carolina and the belt buckle of the Bible belt, that have not one time ever heard a clear presentation of the gospel of Christ, even though there are churches on every corner of our neighborhoods. There are still people that have not heard the name of Jesus Christ. And what are we to do? We are to tell them of the Savior that saves from sin. We are to pray that the banner of Christ would be lifted high in every city and town and village in our community. 
You see, it is not just enough that there's a gospel-preaching church in the city. There needs to be one in the towns. There needs to be one in the villages. God cares for the millions in a city just as much as He cares for a hundred in a small community. There needs to be places in every town, every city, every village where the gospel is proclaimed and clearly made known. We need to pray for specific places that need gospel witnesses. Let me give you some examples. Not far from where I lived in northern Maine, there was an island off the coast of Prince Edward Island in Canada. And this island belongs to Quebec. And it is an island of over 5,000 people that live on it. It is an island called the Isle de la Madeleine, or Madeleine Island. And there is not one single gospel witness of any sort whatsoever on this island. It is entirely dominated by Roman Catholicism. Not one single gospel witness. 5,000 people that have lived there generation after generation after generation and not a single gospel witness on that island. No one to tell them of Christ. And a prosperous area of the world still without witness for Christ. I think about another island not too far from there. Off of the coast of Newfoundland. Called St. Pierre and Miquelon. It belongs to France. Some more than 7,000 people live upon those islands. And once again they are French territories dominated by Roman Catholicism with no single gospel witness whatsoever upon the country. No gospel witness on these islands. And there has never been a gospel witness upon the islands as far as I can see. There is no church whatsoever other than a Roman Catholic church. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. The question that you and I must do is either pray, Lord, would you have me go? Or Lord, would you send someone to these areas that need Christ? We are to pray for laborers. These are places we can pray for. Let me give you another example. I looked up the most remote island in the entirety of the world. It is a volcanic island that people live on, some 200 people or more. It is called Tristan da Cunha. It is the most remote island in the world off the coast of South Africa, between South Africa and South America, headed towards the Antarctic. And guess what? It is an English-speaking colony. And there's no gospel witness upon it. It is owned by the British, uh, by the British and there's no gospel witness upon this island. The most remote place in the world. What a place to go to. What a place to pray that God would send a missionary to. And let's get beyond these remote places and let's get to where we are today. What about the host of towns in the USA? I think about the own, my own state in which I was raised. Driving through multiple towns without gospel witnesses in New England. 
Think about uh, the need in New England for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about the need in the Midwest, in the towns there for the gospel of Christ with no gospel witnesses out west. Our country is a mission field that needs laborers to preach Christ. Think about our friends to the north of us in Canada where there are virtually vast stretches of land where you drive miles without ever finding a church that preaches the gospel. My friend, there is dire need. Our friends to the south of us in Mexico, there is dire need for works of God in these areas. And what will we do about the needs in other continents where God once moved in mighty ways? I think about Scotland. I have a missionary friend that was in Scotland. And how dead Scotland has become. It once was a great place of gospel preaching. And now they have one of the highest rates of atheism in the entire world. And there is an utter need to preach Christ where he once was made known. And parts of Europe and Central Europe and the 1040 window in Asia. My friend, the need is great. I want you to see today the need is great. It is greater today than it has ever been. And what are we to do? All around this entire world there are broken people that are beatered, uh, beaten and martyred and, and, uh, and broken by sin. And they are broken emotionally, spiritually, physically. They are scattered abroad. They are lost. The harvest is plenteous. They are everywhere. But the laborers are few to go and tell them of Christ. You say, what can I do? The need is overwhelming. Well, the first question you should ask is this. Is God calling me to do something about this need? We should all have the response of Isaiah. You say, well, you know, I'm older and God can't use me. That's a lie. You can always say, Lord, here, here am I, send me. And guess what the Lord might do? He might say, well, I'm not going to send you, but I'm going to use you as a means to send others that can. He might not use you. He might not send you. But he might say to you, I want you to pray for those that can go. You may not be able to go, but you can certainly pray for those that do go. And you can certainly pray for these countries, these islands, these communities that have no gospel witness. You can be intimately involved in the Lord's prayer request. The only thing the Lord ever requested for us to pray for was to pray for laborers. My friend, we need to pray for laborers. You know what we need to do? We need to pray for laborers for this church. This church needs a pastor. We need to pray that God provides one. We need to pray for the other churches in our denomination that are without pastors. The church in Fredericton, without a pastor for 12 years, we need to pray that God provides them a pastor. We need to pray for churches within our denomination that God would send the laborers. We need to pray that God would provide laborers into more cities and more communities. Find out who our missionaries are in, in our church and begin praying for them. Pray that God would raise up an army of gospel preachers to go into the entirety of the world. This is the greatest thing we should be thankful for. Pray that the knowledge of the glory of God covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. I'm reminded of the hymn this morning. The hymn says, In the harvest field now ripened, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the voice of God is calling to the harvest calling you. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it. 
if you go in Jesus' name. The harvest field is now ripened. There's a work for you and for me to do. The voice of God is calling, and He's calling you to the harvest too. And the hymn writer was right when they repeated in the, frame, in the refrain, Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown, and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Is the Lord calling you to the harvest today? Will you go in Jesus' name? Will you be the one that says, Lord, here am I, send me? Or will you be the one that holds the rope for those that go down into the well and that do the work of God? Will you hold the rope and will you be the one to support them? What is it God is calling you to do? All around us today are broken people and damned people. They are lost without a shepherd to guide them. They need a preacher to tell them of the good news of Christ. And the need for laborers in God's vineyard is overwhelming and it is heartbreaking. Every creature in God's creation needs a preacher. So will you heed the call of the Master to pray for this glorious cause? Will you do it? My friend, as I said again, this is the only prayer request our Lord ever gave. Will we do it? Will we pray for this request that He gave? Will you pray for areas where Christ has not been named? Will you ask the Lord what He is calling you to do for the cause of missions? You know, missions is real. Our church supports missions. We support missionaries. And you need to ask the Lord, what is He calling me to do as it regards supporting missions? Does He just want me to pray for missionaries? Does God maybe want me to financially in some way support individual missionaries within our denomination? What does God want you to do to further the cause of missions and getting laborers out into the harvest field? Will you be a sender or will you be a goer? We're either going to be one or the other. We're either going to be sending people to the mission field or we're going to be one that goes and does the mission itself. You cannot be on the fence on this issue. You are to be involved in missions. And this is not an option for the Christian. We are truly missionaries. And may, you may have even seen it in various churches. I've seen it in multiple churches. When the service is over, there's a big banner or in writing on the back of the doors. And as you exit, it says, you are now entering the mission field. Because that is exactly what we're doing. We come in here, we get instructed in the Word. When we walk out these doors, we're entering the mission field. We're entering the mission field. The mission field is not in Timbuktu in Africa. The mission field is right here in Lexington, South Carolina. We are in the mission field. What would God have you do for the advance of His kingdom here on earth? Again, this is our Lord's only prayer request. Will you be found in the place of prayer doing as He asked? Pray because the Lord will use your prayers to accomplish His sovereign purpose here upon the earth. You say, well, isn't God, He's sovereign, He's just going to do whatever He wants, and He's just going to send missionaries when He desires. Can I remind you that God uses means to accomplish His purpose? And God delights to use your prayers as a means to accomplish His purpose. He will see your prayers and He will use that as a means to accomplish His sovereign purpose. God uses you and I. God uses means to accomplish His purpose. And as you pray, God will begin to answer prayer. 
So we are to pray by faith, believing that He will do these things. So the message today is the need of laborers in God's vineyard. And the need is certainly great. And let us pray to that great end that God will provide laborers for His harvest. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the Word of God today. We thank You for the truths of Holy Scripture. And we thank You for how You speak to us from the Bible. And God, how our hearts are burdened. And how we pray for the multitudes in the valley of decision. How we pray, O oh God, God, we long for the day when the knowledge of the glory of God covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. You said in Malachi 1.11 that from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, your name would be made great among the nations. And we pray, O oh God, that you would fulfill your great and glorious cause of making your name known to the nations. Raise up more gospel preachers. God, raise up more men to go into the highways and hedges and compel men to come to Christ. Raise more men up, even in our state, in our community, God, within this world, to preach the gospel. God, the need is so great among us. And God, it seems so hopeless at times. But God, we thank you that we are never without hope. God, we have a Savior who has birthed us to a living hope. God, we are not without hope. God, we have the Savior in heaven, the one who intercedes and prays on our behalf, the one who obtains all authority, not only in heaven but on earth. And we can pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God, we pray that Thou wouldst come down in mighty power and bring salvation to the nations. And that, God, that you would be pleased to send another great awakening and an outpouring of your Spirit and move in these days in which we are living. God, would you press deep within our heart. God, even as we depart this place, just to meditate, to begin to think upon the multitudes that are still without Christ. God, the multitudes that you had compassion on, because they fainted and were sheep without shepherd. God, that is where the world is today. There are multitudes of them, and they are fainting, and they are sheep without a shepherd. And they need someone to point them to the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So God, we pray to that end that you would do it. And God, be with us until we meet again in this place, this upcoming Lord's Day. We ask it all in Christ Jesus' precious name. Amen.